Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. It's awesome to serve in the house of the, God, of the Lord, is it not? It is awesome to serve in the house of the Lord, is it not? It's a privilege and an honor to serve in the kingdom. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit today about to serve or observe and share some great news with you and some exciting things that I have for you. I've been kind of on a kick lately. I've been throwing out weapons and I've been finding things in the word of God to hand to you and to myself and encourage myself to use against the enemy so that we can be successful in the work that we're trying to do. And I have exciting news and I I just continue to say, I want to give them this. God is talking to me. Give them this. Give them this encouragement. Give them this tool. Give them this power that they have that I've extended to them through my name, through the authority of the name of Jesus and through my spirit. And I want to share a little bit of that with you today as I know we're dismissing Sunday school. If you could stand with me in the honor of the word this morning, I have one scripture to start out I'd like to share with you. If you could turn to Galatians chapter 5. Paul's letter to the church of Galatia at chapter 5, starting at verse 13. Galatians chapter 5 and 13. We're going to read two verses, and it says this. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled. Everybody say, all the law. All the law is fulfilled in one word. One word, this entire book, all these pages, is all fulfilled in this one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You can be seated this morning. Fascinated by by Paul's approach to that scripture because he talks about liberty. Boy, do we have liberty. Do you know that I have the freedom this morning? And we sang that song, we're the freedom generation, we are. And we are on the mo- amongst the most amazing level of freedom and liberty that one could possibly experience. Probably, I would say, maybe three-fifths of planet Earth doesn't have nearly a scrap of the freedom and liberty that we have. And I stand up here today under the roof of this church with a liberty in faith. I can say anything that I want. I can teach and preach to you anything I want. I can say the name Jesus 1,500 times in the next 45 minutes. I'd have to go really fast. And no one's going to do anything about it. We have this liberty, this ability. And so Paul says, but don't use that liberty for an occasion to your flesh. Well, what does he mean, to, what does he mean by that? What he's saying is, is you, you have the freedom to do anything. You didn't have to be here this morning. You could have stayed in bed. There's no law. The the cops aren't going to come and haul you off to church, although sometimes I kind of wish we had that. (laughs) Not for you guys, but for whoever sits here normally. (laughs) Or like over there. But you could do anything that you want. You're under complete liberty. And God has that that extra special layer of that liberty that we have that he's extended to us. And what he's talking about there is, is, is the freedom and the liberty that we have. We're unshackled from the things of this world and the, and the things that, that bring us down and hold us down and hurt us and harm us and give us those hang-ups and those hurts and those habits that we talked about uh, earlier. But we have these liberties. You didn't have to come here today. There's no law that says that. You could have went out fishing, although I wouldn't advise it. You could have, you could have done anything. And so what Paul is saying is you have this amazing liberty 
Church at Galatia, you've gotten the word of God. You've gotten the truth. You have this incredible liberty. Don't use it for the occasion of the flesh. What does that mean? Don't take that liberty. Well, go ahead. You can say it. There you go. That's good. That's a good start. Thank you, Beth. But what he's saying also is don't just serve yourself. Don't serve here. You can, you, can, you can do it. You can get up, make your own breakfast, serve yourself. You can go and do what you want, serve yourself, enjoy the day, and, and disclude anybody, exclude anybody else. Paul's saying, but don't use this amazing liberty that you've been given just to serve yourself. Because all of the law, and he equates it to love, all of the law rests on this one point, that you love your neighbor as yourself. My goodness, he's basically giving us the direction that says take the liberty, the great bounty and blessing and wealth of knowledge and spirit and material wealth that you have and don't waste it on yourself because the end thereof is not good. But to use it to fulfill all of the law in this one thing and that is that you love your neighbor. Love and serve in that scripture are equally interchangeable. I think that's fair to say. One word, love and service combined. First John 3 and 18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now what, what the apostle is saying there isn't, he isn't saying let's not love in word. But he's saying let's not love only in word and language and speech. And so what he, the idea there is we can talk a lot. We can say a lot. Oh, I love Jesus. I love my neighbor. Oh, I like the work of the Lord. It's wonderful to be here. But what are we doing? Indeed. We just had an amazing anniversary service, and I want to talk today about serving or observing. And we have two very distinct pictures of that in the world of faith today, in religion in our country, if you want to call it that word. And uh, the encouraging thing is, and I've said this amongst our leaders, Pastor Kylie and I talk about it all the time, we have, as Brother Matson said, a great church. We have an amazing church. We just had a wonderful anniversary celebration last week for Brother and Sister Kylie, 40 years of loving their neighbors, 40 years of building this work, serving other people. Now, I've served by, by him full-time, side-by-side, for going on five years, and I've watched him tirelessly serve and serve and sacrifice and serve and serve. And so, you know what? When it comes to a pastor emeritus package and taking care of him in retirement after 40 years of what he's dedicated to the kingdom of God, you bet we're going to give him something awesome. We're going to give him a nice package. And if you do want to come, amen. Praise the Lord. And if you want to come and talk to me about that, or as Brother Matson said, you want to talk to us, we'd be happy to share that with you. And if you want to throw a few extra bucks in there, that'd be fine too. We'll take it, and he deserves it. But I watched, I watched our church, I watched the people of this congregation step up, and I watched servers and people who are willing to engage and embrace and work and do. I watch it every year with our auction, the people that show up and embrace our visitors and our guests and speak out. We have an awesome church with a great, great mentality and a great heart for embracing our visitors and our guests and serving and working. We really do. I say it to the leaders all the time. We have everything we need right here. We are wanting for nothing in terms of talent 
and ability and time and, yes, even treasure, as Brother Matson mentioned earlier today. We have a great guest group and hospitality room and all of those things that are working together in service. And we've got a great tradition of that. And who established that? Your senior pastor and his wife, dedicated to that service for the last 40 years. But if you take a look at the counter of this, and, and I talk a lot about culture and how those things kind of can creep into the church and kind of get, get us to a certain point. It's just a natural progression of human flesh. We just, we just are what we are. We get into ruts. We get into patterns. We get into things that are just... But the culture changes and people change. And so Brother Kylie and I talk about this all the time. And we understand that what was going on in 1978 with people and the way that they served isn't the same way that it was in 1988 or 98 or 2008. And now we're in 2018. There's just a whole different way that culture has impacted me and you and our ideas and how we do that. And it's not a, it's not a crime. It's nothing bad. You haven't, you haven't done anything wrong. And I haven't necessarily done anything wrong, hopefully. But the point is, is that we can adjust to that. Who believes that, generally speaking, in anything that you do, whether it's work or home or church, you can always get a little bit better? Anybody? Amen. So what I'm telling you today is that we have the opportunity to move forward with that, to take it to that next place. We have the opportunity to serve like we've never served before. We have the opportunity to step up like we've never stepped before. Because I'm telling you, God is standing at the door and he's waiting to bless our efforts. Somebody said to me the other day, Brother Cordell, we're getting all these pieces together. We've got all this good stuff happening. We've got Jonathan Project. We've got programs. We've got visitors coming. We've got people teaching Bible studies all over, opening their homes. But where are the people? Why is that pew empty? And why is that one empty? And I said this. It's very simple. God's just waiting for us to be ready waiting for us to be ready to receive who's coming. We're close. I believe that we're close, getting close, but we're not quite there yet. Can this pastor step up? Absolutely. Can, we, can I get better? Can I work harder? Can I do more to seek God's will and to find ways to serve more? Absolutely, and I promise you that I will. And Brother Kylie's doing the same thing. Don't think just because there's gonna be change and all that stuff, he's just gonna jump in a fishing boat and cast out a line. no. That is not in his nature, and is not what he wants to do. And we are going to work together, and we're going to continue to work with our leadership moving forward and taking that next step where God is taking us. You see, in the world, for example, and I've, I've experienced this. I've watched it. I said to you, this, this message is about to, to serve or to observe. They're the opposite. And there's a lot of observers in the world. There's a culture of observing, sitting back, watching. World religion in so many different ways, has taught people that. Just do your little bit, show up once in a while, and we'll entertain you, and we'll sing songs, and we'll do smoke and lights and mirrors and all these wonderful things. And then you go home. Just make sure you drop your, your coins in the coffer and, and on the way you go. But observers are nothing more than fans, onlookers, watchers, people that sit back and say, well, I want to see how this is going to go. I'm going to just take my time here and I'm going to see some, what somebody else does with this. You know what? I've done my bit for king and country. It's time for me to put the lawn chair out and just take a, get a good seat on the lawn and see what things are going to be. They're dabblers, enthusiasts, seat fillers. They're just interested. They're just curious. 
That's the culture that we've, that's been cultivated, and it surrounds us, and sometimes it kind of creeps in a little bit. And so what God is saying to us today, if we have the propensity, because we're in the flesh, we're humans, and we're people, if we have the propensity to do that, now is the time to catch it and say, you know what, now's not the time to pull the arm back on the recliner. Now's not the time to sit back and wait and see what's going to happen or say, well, that group is going to go ahead and take care of that or somebody else will reach out to that neighbor or someone, I'm sure someone will step up and take care of it. If this church is going to survive and thrive and fulfill the mission to seek and to save that which is lost, we need every single person in God's army to stand up and say, yes, I am ready to go. Pastor, how can I serve? What can I do? Here's my talents. Here's my ability. How can I apply it to the work today? And you know what? You'll stand up and you'll be blessed because Paul said all of it is fulfilled in the law when you do that. And God promised, God promised that he would hear those things and bless our work. You hear people in the, in the world, well, I gave God my heart. Well, if you listen to the, if you listen to the word, <laughs> that's not much of a gift. <laughs> it's deceitfully wicked. It's full of horrible things. It's not particularly an attractive muscle either. But they say, I gave God my heart, but I'm keeping the rest. Did you give God your heart? I don't believe there's a person in this room that gave God their heart and intended on keeping everything else. But people do that. I'll give you my heart, God, which means I'll show up once in a while and I'll say good godly things and I'll do the word and the, and the tongue and the language part, but I'm not really willing to do the deed. I'm not really willing to do the serve part of the job. And so God's saying, guys, this is happening in the world. This is something that's kind of creeping into my churches all over the place. We got some people that are, boy, they're, they're susceptible and, and it can happen if you're not careful. If you stay on one step, the whole time. Well, we got, we got here. We were in Oconomowoc in 1978, and and we had this great work. And then we got to Oakwood, and then over here we got to to 99, 995 South Sawyer Road, and we've got all these pews and all this building and gymnasium and all this wonderful stuff. And so let's just hang out here. How's that sound? Does anybody in this church believe that's God's intention for us to just stay exactly as we are? Okay, so now I have two admissions. Admission number one was, can we always get better? I saw a lot of hands. If you disagree, if you disagreed with that, there's a room down the hallway. You can go wait there, and we'll talk to you afterwards. Just kidding. Admission number two, God doesn't want us to do that either. To serve or to observe. Which do you think he really wants us to do? So we're fighting back a little bit of that, wor that world culture. And see, the other part of that is, is that in a lot of ways, in order to retain people and keep people, the world culture of faith just teaches it's all good, it's prosperity, and oh, just living for God is wonderful. Just come to our church, and it's, you'll have peace, and you'll have prosperity, and it'll be all wonderful, and it's, it's just great, and just make sure to leave your coins in the coffer on your way out, and it's all good. And those churches and those places grow massively, Huge, mega churches, right? I, I'd probably dig that if I didn't know the truth, the full truth. Because, hey, if I can come in, throw a few bucks in the offering, hang out and get a concert every week on Sunday, and then go home and just do whatever I want for the rest of the week. Wow, that's a cool gig. <laughs> Anybody here wouldn't do that if they didn't know the truth? 
Don't answer that. It's all fluff and glad tidings, prosperity doctrine, easy religion. Brother Kylie always calls it the Burger King religions, you know, have it your way. If you don't like the tomato of repentance, no, chuck it off there. You don't have to worry about that. If you don't like the onion of water baptism, tell them to hold it. It's a do-what-you-want, kind of a smooth-sailing doctrine. But I'm here to tell you that that's not really what this is about. Service is hard. Service is difficult. Why don't, why don't we take that approach sometimes? Do, maybe sometimes if we took the Army, Navy, SEAL type approach and just said, this is going to be dirty, it's going to be gritty, it's going to be ugly. It's not for everybody. Some of you are going to fall out. Some people in this room right now are going to get to a point, possibly, where they say, I can't do it anymore. I don't want to serve anymore. It's not good enough. I don't get enough out of it. There's just so much to offer in the world and go. And we've seen that, unfortunately. We've seen that happen, right? But I wonder sometimes if we took that approach, because it's not all prosperity. It's not all joy and fluff. I'm just being raw and honest with you this morning. Is that okay? But I have a point, and I have an encouragement in this as we kind of go through. I'm in the middle of the sandwich at the moment, okay? So bear with me. It's not easy, and you know that. And it gets tough, and it gets weary, and we've heard forever, God's coming back, God's going to, and we just keep going, and the world gets a little tougher, and it gets a little harder, and coming to church, and all these different things, and we lose track of what we're really here for. And I get it, it's, it's easy to do that. But God's saying, there's more to it on the other side. And why would we want to promote the Christian faith that way? Because if you think about it, if you're out there teaching Bible studies and you're bringing people in and you're teaching your Bible study and you're going through all that stuff and you say, and by the way, once you join our church, it's so awesome. We have great music and there's all this fun and just life is so much better and you just have great peace and nothing ever goes wrong after you become a Christian. What do you suppose is going to happen? They're going to figure out the reality of it, aren't they? Anybody in this room ever have a conflict or a pain or a hurt from somebody else in this room? Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever have challenges in the church? Angry with people? Frustrated? We're human. This is human stuff. It's real. And we can't promote the church that way. Yes, there is joy and blessing and all of that stuff. There is great peace. There's wonderful things. That's the liberty we were talking about earlier. But not before sacrifice, and selflessness. If you're, and again, I'm not pointing or looking at anybody, but if you're in the church today, I don't care if it's, if, if it's for six months or if it's for 60 years. If you're in the church today and all that dwells in your mind, that all that you think about and all that you seem to experience through church is pain and rough interactions and, and difficulty with people and it's just never fulfilling and it's just been frustration the other time, I'll give you the answer why you feel that way. You have not yet achieved a level of sacrifice and selflessness that God has called you to. Now I want to tell you, I have just ripped open the pit of hell and exposed the devil and an attempt that he has made to ruin your Christian walk. You understand the enemy is angry right now because I just exposed one of his nastiest, ugliest, most sinister methods for killing Christians. If your walk has been thought with nothing but frustration, pain, you wonder why you do it. 
you're upset, you're frustrated. It's always people. Oh, this one offended me. This one talked to me. This, I don't understand. How come I can't? If that has been the entirety, and I'm not saying some, that's going to happen because we're flesh. Understand, okay? I'm talking for that person that it has dominated your Christian walk. I'm telling you right now, the devil has convinced you to hold back your abilities, to not be selfless, and not to sacrifice for this walk. Take that, devil. I just exposed you. When you reach that point, when you've hit that point where you've learned, and, you, and, and I'm probably looking at a room where the mass majority of you have done this, so I'm not assuming anything on anybody. I've got, I've got so much more to learn about sacrifice and selflessness. I really do. But I'm getting there. And thank God there's been a couple of those points where God has directed me, opened a door, giving me the privilege, the honor to be able to sacrifice just a little bit, to be just a little selfless, to help. And then just a tidal wave of blessing that has rolled in on my life. Miracles, healings, blessings, all the prosperity stuff that they're telling people that I just told you about, it comes. See, though sorrow may last through the night, joy comes in the morning. And what they're talking about is they're talking about when you sacrifice and the pain of selflessness. It's not easy. It's hard to sacrifice. It's hard to get up. I'm just going to tell you something. I'm going to honor my wife for a second. Last night we were sitting down. We were in the middle of doing some planning for the evening. We're getting ready to go to dinner, and we got a phone call. Somebody's in the hospital, and they're not going to make it possibly too much longer. We were called out to go visit. I looked at my wife, and I said, honey, are you ready to go? And she said, yep, let's do it. It's tiny. We were gone for an hour and a half on our Saturday night. So what? Little tiny thing, meaningless, really, in the grand scheme of time. But I'm telling you, just that little teeny thing. And we went over there. This is, and I'll just tell you who it is. Uh, Sister Ruth isn't here this morning. Her mother has been put in hospice care. And we're not really sure yet, but there's a good chance that she may not be with us you know, very, very much longer. And so Sister Ruth called and she said, Mom's in hospice. I'd like you to come and anoint and pray for her. My sister's coming. My sister never attends church and hasn't been involved in that. But she's praying and she's seeking God right now. Come and minister. And we did. We just drove out there. It's, it's not a big deal. It's, any one of you would have done the same thing had you gotten the call. I understand that. Okay, so no big deal. And so we drove out there and uh, we, we met with her. We anointed and prayed for her mom. I got to meet her sister. It was very nice. And then Sister Ruth, you want to talk about a servant. You want to talk about a selfless person and a sacrifice? Sister Ruth Mendez. Man, that lady is, she's amazing. She is amazing. So while we're there, so here, her mother, her mother is laying in her little room at the, at the hospice place. Hasn't been conscious for a day or two. Not sure what's happening. And she says, oh, by the way, my friend Alice, who's 94, is in a room just down the hallway. Can we go pray with Alice? I said, absolutely. Now again, this isn't my deal. This is Sister Ruth. So, Mish and I headed on down the hallway, and here we meet this sweet, wonderful little lady, 94 years old. And Ruth says, they're going to pray for you. And she said, oh, that would be wonderful. Except first she thought she said we were going to sing for her. <laughs> so, she, so she starts naming tunes, you know, I really love. And I looked at Ruth, and I was like, I, I don't, forgot my pitch pipe, and, and I don't have any, so... So anyway, then she talked louder and then, and then she got it. But we spent a little time and I knelt by her bed and I took her little hand, a little frail hand in mine and Mish was on the other side and, 
And we just lay there and we prayed for that lady. And she just loved it. And then when she was done, she said, well, she said, well I'll pray too. And then she said her little prayer. And we stood, stood there and talked with her for a little while and enjoyed that time. Now that was, folks, I'm telling you, it was nothing. Again, I know most of you would have done the same thing. But we walked out of there. God's awesome. And you get a flood of peace and a, and a flood of purpose. And you just feel that grace that God gives you. And I told that little lady, I said, I'll be back. I'm going to come back and see. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, that'll be fine. But just that little tiny thing. And I think sometimes if I could just take more people into that experience and more experiences like that, and you could experience more of that joy beyond what you have now, this place would be on fire. We would, be the, the, we would become known as the greatest service church of all time in doing that work. And it's not to say that we don't serve now. Like I said, I watch you. I see how you embrace our visitors and new people and how you work hard for the church and the work days out here and cleaning and setting things up and doing all these things. I've got my guys I call the Smiths. That's scriptural, by the way. You can find that in the Old Testament. But they're the guys that take care of the church and volunteer and give. There's some of them in the room right now. We have that. But all I'm saying to you is I believe that this is God's clarion call. We can step it up. See, there's a step above this one, above 995 South Sawyer Road. There's another place that we can go, and we're going to go there. And we have everything we need right here, right now, if we just step up and say, yes, Brother Cordell, Brother Kylie, Brother Michael, what can I do? How can I serve? I feel like I've got a talent for the kingdom. Or maybe I don't know, but can you help me find it? And if you step up and you invest yourself and you take that move, then you're going to find out what the joy is in the morning. See, that scripture was talking about the Christian life. It's a type and shadow of exactly what that means. This life, the flesh life, going to work, paying your bills, paying your taxes, watching your relatives die, having diseases, all that stuff, that's the, that's the pain through the night. This life is not what we're meant for. Sorrow is going to last through the night. Till the day you die, you're going to feel sorrow. You're going to have pain. You're going to have problems in your life whether or not you're serving God. I'm just here to tell you that if you do the serving God part, it's going to be a whole lot better. Praise the Lord. The joy that comes in the morning is because God is watching he promises in his word. It says in Hebrews 6 and 10, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which he have showed toward his name, which you have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. God is watching. He is not unrighteous to forget. And he knows. He knows the sacrifice that you make. And he knows the pain that you have through the night. But see, someday... Someday he's coming back. Someday he's going to take account for the things that we have done. He's going to bless us for the work that we've done. And then when we're there, when God has returned and we're with him in glory, the joy is going to be that morning. That's the morning that he's talking about. And it's just waiting for us. The promise is right there. I mentioned earlier the Navy SEALs. Everybody familiar with the Navy SEALs? Okay, a SEAL stands for sea, land, and air. As my understanding, air and land. It means they do everything. They go, whether it's up there, down here, in the water, they're there. SEALs are an elite fighting force. Probably the most highly trained, skilled, and lethal warriors on planet Earth. There is no fighting force on this planet 
that is more skilled than a Navy SEAL. They're the best. They're the best of the best. In the worst situations that man can imagine is when they send in the Navy SEALs. Now, the Navy SEALs, when they're recruiting, don't say, hey, just come on over to the SEAL training. We've got really good food, and um, we got some great, the, the R&R time, you know, is really great. You know, we have, you know, when you're off duty, we've got some movies, and, you know, and you can bring your own books if you want. No. When the SEALs promote, and they, they recruit, and they communicate who and what they are, they look you in the face, and they tell you this is absolutely going to be the most brutal the most challenging, the most gut-wrenching, physically demanding, and mentally crushing experience you will ever have in your life. And what do the men and women do who are signing up for it go, yep, that's what I want. Why? Because they know that once they come out of that training, once they come out of that experience, as I said, they are going to be one of the most elite, highly trained, specifically skilled, lethal warriors on planet Earth. And I'm telling my church today, and I'm looking at you, that if you take this next step, if you get a hold of service, if you get a hold of sacrifice and selflessness, if you stop being an observer and become a server, you are going to be one of the most highly trained, most highly skilled, lethal warriors in the spiritual battle that this Earth has ever seen. It's standing right there for you, and God is promising it. Why can't we promote it that way? Why can't we say, man, this thing's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be grueling. You're going to have to deal with people. You're going to have to get your knees dirty a little bit. You're going to have to get your hands dirty a little bit. You're going to have to work. It's going to be painful. Sometimes someone's going to offend you. Well, boo-hoo, because those guys in the Navy SEALs stand there while the ocean's lapping up and they're tied around their backs and they're freezing cold and they haven't ate for six days and they haven't slept for nine days and they're freezing to death and they're suffering from hypothermia. They're saying, give me some more. I want more because I'm going to take this thing because when I'm done with this, I'm going to be a champion. I'm going to be excellent at what I do. I'm going to be the most highly trained, most lethal warrior on planet Earth. Why can't we take the church that direction? I believe we can I'm going to turn you, while I'm wrapping up here, I'm going to turn you to the parable of the talents, and I won't read through the whole thing. But the parable of the talents is very clear. The kingdom of heaven is likened here. It's one of Jesus' parables. He's trying to explain his expectations. Matthew chapter 25, 14 through 30 is where those scriptures are. But the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto him unto them his goods. Jesus has called you into this. He has delivered to you his goods. You have been baptized. You have the Holy Ghost. You have the authority of his name. You are the Navy SEAL that has the weapons. You have everything that you need if you're ready to step up and go into the training that's next for you. See, the Army, they have a pretty tough training too. You go through basic and you do all that stuff. I know there's guys in here that have been through that, right? Tom Donahue, former Marine. Remember that? And that's great, and a lot of people do that. Very, very small number of people actually make it through Navy SEAL training. A lot of people, they bug out because they can't handle it. But the ones that do, endure, and then the joy comes in the morning. And so God has given us these abilities. We can be his army, we can be mediocre, we can be above average, we can be what we want to be. But I'm saying to you today, this is abundant life. Look at this building. Look at this church body. 
Look at the senior pastor and the leaders that we've raised up. Why would we want to be anything but absolutely everything we could possibly be? Why would we do that? Do we want to seek excellence? Do we want to be great at what we do? I do. Does anybody with me? I don't know. I heard a, I heard a couple. All right. Everybody's like, no, we just want to be mediocre. All right, I'm going home. Just kidding. I know I'm, answer, I'm asking questions I know the answer to already. So in the course of the parable, the master gives five talents to one and two talents to one another and one talent to the other. You remember the story, and, and, and you can read it, go through it again. But essentially what was happening is the Lord was giving these, these talents. Now, in, in Scripture, talent, it was, a, it was money. It was money, and it's believed to be and I've read articles, and it's believed to be that this money, this talent, could be what we would equate to somewhere in around a million dollars in their time. In other words, it's a lot of money. And so it's so much money that even the one talent person still got a lot of money, right? See the object in here? So whether you feel you've got one talent or you look at another person like, well, they do a lot of stuff and I can't do that, it doesn't matter. You've been given a lot of ability through God. The one thing that you can do can be effective for the kingdom to see people saved. Do you understand? Your one ability, one thing that you can do can be all that someone needs. And so he gives out these talents according severally to the abilities of the person that that he gave them to. And you know the story. The one with five went and did, did exchange and brought in five more. Went and got more took what he was had. He took, it's not, a, it's not an accident, I believe, that the word talent today is used to describe our abilities and the talent then was money. I, I just, it's not an accident. You have the ability. And so the one with five talents went and got five more, and the one with two talents went and got one more. And then you have the character with one talent who just decided, well, the, the master is very, he goes and he does things like he gets money where he didn't put it, and he, he gets things that he didn't, <laughs> kind of throws something at the master and says, well, it's your fault, I'm not very good. And of course, you know the story, the master is wroth and says, well, this guy just was, was a joke, completely defied what I gave him to do. And it says at the end, cast him out, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, anywhere in scripture, by the way, where you see that, the parable of the king's wedding, etc., and it says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's a type and shadow picture of hell. I'm just being straightforward with you. So this guy with the one talent who decided that it was, it was the Lord's fault, that he didn't do anything, he didn't have the abilities, well, you know where he is. The other guys were quite blessed. But I do want to say this to you today and as I'm wrapping up. It does start with the leaders, with us leaders. I believe that in a different world, in a different culture that we, in, we are in, and I've expressed this to the pastor board, Mike, Kylie, and I exchange this thought all the time. Pastor and I exchange this thought all the time, and I express it to the trustee board and Brother Soto. I believe it is incumbent upon us leaders to open the doors, to pave the pathway, to make the opportunity there. That's what the Jonathan Project is all about. And you're going to see very shortly that we're going to bring those guys up and we're going to graduate them into their director positions and they're going to be leaders in that and they're going to assemble their teams and we're going to see this thing start to get up and go. And you're going to see action. Now some people, I know, I'm just, I'm just saying that some people are going to stay on the platform while the train is leaving the station. And I hope, 
I hope that we can do everything we can to encourage you, open the right door, show you the way, encourage you to bring those talents, dig them up out of the ground and get them back out into the open and say, Brother Kylie, Brother Cordell, Brother Michael, I am here and I'm ready to give my talent out. I'm ready to take my talent and make it another talent because that's an opportunity as the train is pulling out of the station for you to jump on board and say, yes, I'm on board. I get it. I understand now. This isn't a spectator sport. I'm not an observer. I'm a server. I want to do. I want to go and I want to serve the kingdom of God. I believe that we can see that happen, but I know that it's incumbent upon us to do that, and we're going to continue to do that. As I said earlier, I believe that this is God's clarion call. Now, today, for this church to survive and thrive, to continue to grow, this is a, this is a big deal, and I'm not talking just about the church body. I'm talking about this building, this place, this location. For us to survive and thrive and continue to grow and take care of this awesome building, which is basically our headquarters, our home base for sending out our home Bible studies and bringing people to teach, this baptismal tank, this altar of repentance and, and Holy Ghost, we're going to need everybody on board that train. We're going to need a lot more people on, on board that train than we have right now. But I'm standing here to tell you today that I'm, I'm, I'm ready to sacrifice more to teach more, to train more, to reach out to you more, to do more that I can if you're willing. And I know Brother Kylie's in the same spot. Brother Michael's in the same spot. Our trustee board is in the same spot. We are built for this purpose. You understand that, right? The spirit that's within us was built and made for this purpose. It is our work. It is our call. First Peter 2 and 9. You guys know it better than I do probably. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a peculiar people. You know the word peculiar in that scripture does not mean odd or different. That word peculiar means rare and precious like a gem. That's how God sees us. We are a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We are not meant to sit on the sidelines. We are not meant to be observers. We are not meant to watch as the train leaves the station. And lastly, Luke chapter 6, verse 39, one of my favorite scriptures of all time, and I'm going to encourage you with today. What I have given you today is a weapon. It's a weapon for you to use for your life. Because the more that you serve, the more that you give, the more that you turn around. Brother and Sister Brown, back me up on this. Giving is the number one way to overcome problems, our own depressions, our own issues, our own challenges. It's the number one way to begin that healing. Is that not right? Amen. I believe that God built it that way and the more that you give, the more that you offer, the more that you show up, the more that you do, God is going to turn that thing around in your life. I think there's people in here that are called to great works and home Bible studies. There may be ministers in this room. There may be future pastors in this room. Lord knows we've had quite a few of them come through. We had them here last week on the anniversary, right? And I believe that if we begin to do this and take that next step, step it up, go to that new place, God is going to do awesome things for this church. Luke 6 and 39 And you can stand with me right now. Luke 6 and 39, you guys know it as well as I do. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That is God's promise for you this morning. And I would like everybody this morning, if you will, and if I can get who's on uh, on piano this morning, I just want to inspire you with that. And, And think about it today. Think about what you can do. Don't walk out of this house and say, well, that was really great. I hope everybody got something out of that. And go back to exactly what you were. Get it inside your heart. Get it inside your mind this morning.
and walk out of here to say, okay, God, what do you have for me? What direction do you want me to go? Because I'm ready. And so when you come to this altar this morning, if you will, open your heart wide open. Lead me, Lord. Let me know what I can do for the kingdom. In Jesus' name, God, we're so very thankful, Lord, for your word and for your promise. We know that you have a new place for us this morning, Lord. We know that you have a new direction for us this morning, Lord. And God, we look to you because we know things aren't going to get easier. They're going to get tougher. We know there's going to be more challenge in our lives. There will be pain. There will be sorrow through the night. But Lord, we know that there's a promise of joy in the morning. And I want you to reach out to every single person in this house today that's willing, that's willing to open their heart. God, give them vision and direction and purpose in their mind. Let them know that there's greater blessing, greater blessing by giving in the kingdom than just working hard in their jobs or working hard to take care of their homes or working hard to get to that next vacation. That the blessing and the joy and the peace and all that comes along with sacrifice and giving is so much more fulfilling, so much more peace rendering, so much more easing in the mind, sleeping better, living better, loving better, closer with Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.